Hello, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. This is episode 94. What? (laughs) I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And you're listening to the Claim the Stage podcast, which is all about helping women with public speaking. And this episode is the final episode in a series, a mini series called called Tales from the Road, where I chronicled some of my experiences and interactions during my speaking tour I just went on for five weeks. And it ended about a week and a half ago. And now on today's episode, you'll get to hear Amber and Lenore, who interviewed me in the first episode of this miniseries, do a follow-up interview to ask how it all went. And we decided to wait a week and a half, mostly because I was really tired when I got back and didn't feel I could really form entire sentences. And also because it gave me some time to reflect and just get some space from it so I could actually think through what I learned. So on today's episode, you'll get a chance to hear a little bit about what they went through on their end, but putting the speaking tour together as they are part of the Speaker Sisterhood team and my experiences as well. And if you're considering doing a speaking tour of any size, you know, four days long to four months long, I'm hoping that this episode will give you some insight and advice into how to do it and what to think about when you're putting those things together, because it is quite an undertaking and you want to make sure that you're getting the goals accomplished that you set out to to work on. So without further ado, here's my interview with Lenore and Amber. So hi, welcome back, Angela, to Claim the Stage podcast, which I think you're familiar with. <laughs> Thank you. I am um, your host today, Lenore Braun, the club director of Speaker Sisterhood. And I'm Amber Ladley, the creative director of the Speaker Sisterhood. And co-host. And co-host. <laughs> <laughs> it's a team effort. So we are back here post Speak Up Tour 2018, and we cannot believe how fast time has flown. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> it's almost June, right? Yeah. We right. think so. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was like early February, five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here we are. Yeah, a lot has happened since the last time we came together, <laughs> and we're so excited to catch up with you and talk about all of these amazing things that have happened and just hear from you what you've learned and what you've enjoyed and what has been a challenge and all that good stuff and hopefully help the audience for people who are possibly thinking about the big audacious goal of going on a speaking tour. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots to share. Excellent. (laughs) That's what we're hoping. That's why we invited you today because you are now a speak up tour expert. Yeah. Thanks for taking an extra week to do this interview because last week I was basically dead. So (laughs) (laughs) this interview would have been very different last week. Yes. Kind of quiet. (laughs) Very quiet. Just snoring. Excellent. All right. So we definitely have some questions we'd love to ask you and we're going to launch right into the most important question first. And that is, what was your favorite food stuff? (laughs) (laughs) We want details. Well, it was with you. I should, I should start by saying I became obsessed with Whole Foods hot and cold bar on this tour. And every time I was driving by a Whole Foods, I'd be like, Arr! and like pull in. And even if I wasn't hungry, I got food because I don't know all the options and the delicious flavors. I just couldn't get enough. But the best food I had on the tour was with you, Lenore, when we were in Portland and we went to Otto Pizza. Oh. I, know, I know. I know. I'm starting to get chills. 
And we ordered the butternut squash ricotta dried cranberry pizza, which when you hear it, you think, that's kind of weird. But then when it came, we were both speechless and breathless. And I don't even remember what was happening for the next half hour. (laughs) (laughs) Our jaws were on the table, and then we began to chew. I thought it would be messy, and it wasn't. It was so perfectly cooked. Yeah. It was creamy. It was sweet. It was salty. I'm pretty jealous that I missed out on this <laughs> uh, pizza opportunity. <laughs> I, yeah, well, we, there are other locations in the Boston area, All so right. we can take a road trip. All right. That that was delicious, and I have not stopped thinking about it since. <laughs> and I also ordered it when we did the event in Cambridge. They, I found out there was an auto pizza in Harvard Square, so I ordered it again. Oh. And then just lost my mind for like 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So that was probably the best thing I ate, even though like, we could probably spend a whole episode on the food we ate on the tour, but we'll just stop there for now. That's the perfect place to stop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to bring us right back to business. <laughs> and I'd love to hear, um, what, how do you feel, what are the benefits of doing a speaking tour, both to a speaker and as well as a business owner? There are so many benefits. It's kind of the same as speaking in general, like the getting out there in front of people. It gives you such a good opportunity to create visibility and create a connection with people that you just can't get from a social media post or from reading someone's website, being able to stand in front of a group and actually share your stories and share your advice and connect through humor and connect through, you know, emotional reflections is priceless. So doing a speaking tour gives you that kind of exposure times 50. And it also is really helpful for creating buzz. It gave us a reason to create press releases and to reach out to our networks in different cities and towns and tell them about what was going on, to create more posts that got people excited with a timeline attached to it. And that's just so different from creating a general marketing piece like, hey, check this out whenever you get a chance. It's like, no, come to this event on this night at this time and here's what you're going to learn. It gets people excited. And there were so many people who came to the events and said, yeah, I heard about this in like four different places like my friend told me to come and then my boss forwarded me the Eventbrite page and then I saw it on social media and then I read about it in the paper and when I hear stuff like that I'm like oh this is working this is the idea of doing a speaking tour you want to get a lot of information out there and like kind of saturate the whole area so people know this is happening pay attention to it get involved because it's only for this limited amount of time it's also really great for practicing you know, the more you get out and speak in front of a group, the more you can practice your content and tweak it and keep building it. And even though I've been delivering this this particular speech I did on the tour for probably six months now, I really got a chance to refine every piece of it. And every time I gave the talk, it got better and better. And even though I've been speaking for a long time, I still feel like it's a work in progress. And if you can speak every day for four or five weeks, like you become such a, much, a better speaker so quickly. So I think that's another benefit. There's so many benefits. I'm just going to talk for a couple more minutes. Um, Revenue. You can make money on speaking gigs. So we had a mix of paid speaking gigs and unpaid. But even if I wasn't getting paid to do the speaking gig, I could still sell books at the gigs. And so that's another great reason to have a book if you're a speaker. You can make a little bit of money at the end of the event. And sometimes I'd sell five books. Sometimes I'd sell 15 or 20 books. And we're selling them for $10 each. So it's a nice little little um, bonus at the end of the event to be able to sell the books. Also networking, just 
people would come up to me after the speaking event and say, hey, I belong to this other group. You should come speak there. Or can you come speak to my company? And like I always say, every speaking gig is an audition for your next speaking gig. So if you're doing 20 speaking gigs in a month, it's like you're doing amazing marketing for yourself to get more speaking gigs. So there was a lot of follow-up now happening with a lot of the people I met on the road who are saying, come speak to my company and come check out this group. And it's just been amazing for that to create momentum and build additional opportunities as time goes on. Awesome. So it's just that. Yeah. Just that. <laughs> Not a lot. Just a few. Yeah. Just a couple of things. Awesome. Well, there's obviously a lot of benefits to the tour. Yeah. So how would you suggest other speakers get started, maybe on a smaller scale? Well, I should mention in case anyone is just starting to tune into this, this Tales from the Road series, that there were five main locations for the tour. Portland, Maine, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Providence, Rhode Island, um, or is it six locations? Cape Cod, Boston, and Worcester. We didn't end up doing anything in Providence, but we spent a lot of time targeting those six locations and thinking about like women's networking groups in those areas, thinking about corporations and people we knew who lived in those networks who would want to maybe host an event for us. And if you're trying to get sm- started on a smaller scale, I would say pick one location, pick one city where you really want to be known and you, where you want to have more business. And um, create a list of places where you'd want to speak. Where does your target audience hang out? Where can you find those people? And once you have a list, create a goal. Decide how many speaking gigs you want to have on your, your mini tour, maybe five or maybe six over the course of a week. Create a revenue or overall goal, figuring out like what do you really want to accomplish by going on the speaking tour. Uh, create a talk that helps to reflect those goals. And then get on the phone. And this is probably the scariest part is cold calling. <laughs> but we did a lot of cold calling. And you, I know, Lenore, you were jumping on the phone and calling people. What was that like for you? Um, I, it was a little surreal. So I just <laughs> stepped into the role like I owned it. But inside, I was really nervous. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm crazy on the other end. Or even the time I actually walked into a business looking for sponsorship. Um, it's scary, but there's something empowering about doing it. Even when you get a no, the idea that you're planting seeds out there about what it is you're on a mission for, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I think doing cold calling, even though it's scary, it's really effective because you get people on the phone pretty quickly and they can sense your enthusiasm. You can answer questions and the, you get information faster than through email where it's like, oh, you got an email. And then two weeks later, oh, this got buried in my inbox. What is this about? Oh, can we set up a time to call? And it's like three months later and you're finally getting somewhere. So the cold calling piece of it was really important because we gave ourselves like eight weeks to book gigs. And that's kind of ridiculous, but that's kind of how we operate. So um, I would recommend giving yourself a six month timeline. <laughs> Unless you're like us <laughs> and you like to just work really, really hard all the time. Um, but that's a good way to get started on a smaller school scale. So target a location, pick the places in that location that your target audience might be, figure out how many gigs you want to do, what's your overall goal for the tour, create a talk, and then pick up the phone and start cold calling because... It's only going to happen by you taking those steps each day to make the phone calls. And we started to set goals of like five phone calls a day, 10 phone calls a day. And you have to kind of create a method for keeping track of the people you're calling, whether it's through a spreadsheet or some sort of database. But all of these things can help you to start establishing credibility and get a lot back for the work you're doing to build yourself up as a speaker. 
as I'm talking about it, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> this was crazy. <laughs> That's just occurring to you now? <laughs> yes. I mean, I was dead for seven days after, mm-hmm. so I'm just waking up again. Um, but this was a really big deal. Like, it's almost June, and we worked on this for six months. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Get back to the question. <laughs> That's okay. No, I'm glad. I'm glad that you shared that because it is. It is huge, and yeah. I think we're all in a state of recovery. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to share your own experiences too, as interviewers and parts of the team who experienced the, tu- the, the tour from your own perspective. I know. I'm now turning the tables. I'm. I'm. I'm always interviewing people. So just go back to what we were doing. Sorry. Like, this is our show. Ma'am, please back off. (laughs) Well, I will say that it was really fun. It, you know, despite all of the busyness and the craziness and the the kind of feeling of crashing <laughs> at the end of it, uh, there, there was a lot of fun. I got to go out into the Cape, and that was really fun. We had a good good time then, and and um, I loved hearing all of the stories of all of the different women that are being impacted by this movement. And so it's exciting to see hard work uh, pay off. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I, of course, especially liked the reactions of people with the teeny tiny books because <laughs> everybody loves those. <laughs> everybody. Who yeah. If anyone wants one, just send us your mailing address. Yes. We'll send them. Yep. Yeah. In a security envelope. That's right. Um, do you want to just share some of the things that you did in preparation for the tour? Uh, just. Sure. Yeah. Um, A lot of print and digital marketing. So we had flyers, we had postcards, we had social media graphics, uh, a lot of uh, calendar management. We, uh, in terms of setting up the events and uh, pushing them out through our different social media profiles. Um, We did t-shirts and magnets and those were pretty big projects. It feels like, oh yeah, yeah, we can do a t-shirt, we can do magnets. And then all of a sudden it's like, files and logos and resolutions and and um it gets it gets to be quite a lot um and and then of course there's just a lot of updating the website and uh you know with the the photos coming back from the the events pushing that those out on social media keeping people alert to what's going on uh editing the podcasts on the road which was you know this this mini series is great um if you haven't given a listen definitely uh tune in and um Angela even does her workshop in episode 92 yeah so um lots of lots of really great uh stuff coming out of it Awesome. What did you do? I don't know how to follow that up because Amber, <laughs> Amber works like 18 people, so I don't work like 18 people. Um, but I initially was um, a part of the sponsorship team. So the goal was to do the cold calling and finding organizations and companies that would be interested in hosting an event, sponsoring the tour, whether it's through products like Boom Chicka Pop, which was so fun to do. Um, getting the van, so you had some wheels to get you to where you needed to go. And so that was really, really intense and really challenging. And I have to say, yes, the eight-week deadline was pretty intense. <laughs> but at the same time, it kind of lights a fire under you. You know, like, you got to get it done. You, you don't have an option. And so in those moments, I doubted picking up the phone. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And, like, I'm doing it. And it, every time, coincidentally, it ended up being an amazing call. Mm-hmm. So that in itself is pretty amazing. 
And I was obviously supportive to all the other pieces. So working on the crafting and, and putting the books together and packing the van and unpacking the van <laughs> and making sure supplies are at on hand and organized. And I spent the first week with you in Portland, which was pretty amazing. And I have to say one of my favorite things about the whole tour experience was just telling people we're going on tour. <laughs> so rock star. Yeah. I'm going on tour. I'll be yeah. in Portland if you need me. You know? yeah. Just a cool thing to say. And how many people get to work on such creative, empowering, important things. So this is by far one of the greatest things that I think I've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and we, um, I definitely also want to recognize the rest of our team, too, because we had a marketing yes. team that also included Beth Ann and Lauren, Lauren Simons, who uh, wrote all of the social media posts thoughtfully and engaged with the audience, kept everybody up to date. Uh, Denise, who wrote some press releases, booked some TV and radio, and Adrian and Sandra, who are both brand ambassadors and part of the sales team. Yeah. I'm forgetting anyone. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, and Sandra came with me in Boston mm-hmm. to some of the events, and she did a great job with photography. She's also a photographer, mm-hmm. so we also stayed at her parents' house and got to sit on her parents' cool couches and <laughs> <laughs> went to Whole Foods. She had Whole Foods right down the street. It was great. It was like another benefit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you got to stay with a couple other club leaders, too. Yeah, I got to stay with uh, Brenda Lone Baker, who runs our Brockton, Lowell, and Boston clubs, and Lynn Schreiner, who just started our Ashland Mass Club. And so it was really cool to get to know them in a different way and like meet their families and their pets and... <laughs> really feel like I'm part of their family and I don't spend much time with families you know I like live with friends so it was very different to experience like the rhythm of people trying to like deal with schedules and bathrooms and I don't know it's just like <laughs> sharing space yeah totally <laughs> So back to you guys. What do you guys want to ask? All right. <laughs> so now that you've opened the door to some of these organizations, that the um, the networking groups, the corporations that you sp- spoke at, does it make the world feel smaller and scalable, or does it feel big and overwhelming? It does feel big, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. And what I realized is we have this this vision for Speaker Sisterhood to be global and have 5,000 clubs and be all over the world, which I do believe we will get to eventually. But I don't feel as motivated to try and grow um, to that size right away because as I was doing the tour, I realized like there's so much right here in New England, in the Northeast. There's so many women here and so many groups and so many organizations and companies that we haven't even connected with yet that we can start building relationships with and we can really build a great community and following and momentum just right in our own backyard. So it made me feel less pressure to go global and to just keep doing the everyday connections and reaching out and getting to know people and really taking advantage of all that's here right now. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) So switching gears a little bit, um, one of the things I love most about your events in your program is that you open the space for stories, people to share their own experience. Do you have an inspirational story you could share with us from the road? Yeah, you know, the story I want to share is from very early on, is from Portland. And 
I think about, I think I probably heard a couple hundred stories on the tour and there were so many amazing ones, but this one just really stuck with me. I think because of the sincerity and the vulnerability and the courage that this woman brought in her speech and after the speech. So the story is from an event we did at 1820 Winery in Portland. And at the end of the event, I always offer the opportunity to give a two minute speech. And this woman got up and she shared a story about not just being really quiet and not speaking very much and started to get really teary eyed and was, was shedding some tears while talking about needing to introduce her dog and forgetting her dog's name um, and in a group and feeling <laughs> feeling really embarrassed about that and not wanting to return and that this the speech she was giving on that night was her second approach at trying to be a speaker and she just there was something about her that just made me feel like really proud of her for doing that and I could tell this was a really big deal for her to not only give the speech but also show up at the workshop and then when she came up to me after the workshop she said you know when you told your story about working in radio and being really shy and then trying to do something about that, I realized, you know, I started my career in radio and the difference between your story and my story is that you did something, but I didn't. And now it's 30 years later and I'm still, I'm still shy. But after coming to this workshop tonight, I, I want to change that. And I really want to find my voice and I want to start speaking more and the time is now and thank you. And this was what I needed. And when I hear stories like that, I just think, like, the the whole thing was worth it. Like, mm-hmm. even if no one had another story like that for the whole tour, it was worth it. And her her courage stayed with me for the rest of the tour and just made me feel really um, connected and proud of what we're doing to help women. And that wasn't the last story like that. There were so many more. And one of the cool things that we started doing was... Um, I would have everyone close their eyes and think about something they love and then think about why it matters to them and then feel that feeling of love in their body and then get with a partner and then share a one-minute speech about the thing they chose. And there was a woman in Boston who got up and she came to the front of the room and she decided to share her one-minute story. And she said, well, the thing I love is my guinea pig named DJ Jazzy Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) So we had stories like that, too, that were just funny and... You know, a lot of people talked about their pets. Some people talked about wine. Some people talked about their favorite foods. Some people talked about their favorite vacation spots. It was varied and across the board, but everybody came with that same level of vulnerability and personal connection, and it was really special because it was like we were doing public speaking, but really what we were doing was sharing our hearts, Mm -hmm. and, like, you can't really beat that. Yeah. That's amazing. I... You must feel so lucky to get to hear all of those stories and all of those speeches and just be a part of of the movement itself. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like, I feel so overwhelmed by it all mm-hmm. that I feel like I wish I had like a, a huge backpack where I could just store all of those feelings and stories because <laughs> I feel like I'm going to burst. Yeah. Like they're all inside of me now. Is there something like that that exists? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Do we, we need to <laughs> upcycle something? Mock one up. <laughs> yeah, can you put that in your yeah. list of things to do? <clears throat> Excuse me. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I get the embarrassing moment question, and I'm, uh, I'm anxious to hear um, what, what story got you feeling a bit embarrassed? Well... I appreciate you guys giving me these questions in advance, by the way, because I, <laughs> I really needed to think about this one. I, 
I knew right away the embarrassing moment, but then I was like, <laughs> do I want to share that embarrassing moment? And I don't know if I told either of you the story yet or not, but... All right. <laughs> so we're in for a we're treat. Ready. Oh, God. It's a really embarrassing moment, but I think it's important to share because when I think about the, the background of it, it, it makes a lot of sense for this podcast. One of the cool things that came from this tour was one of my college roommates reached out to me I guess I did tell you, you this story. Amber's already laughing. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting at the edge of my seat. Okay. <laughs> um, reached out to me and on Facebook and sent me a friend request. And I was like, oh, wow, I totally lost touch with her. And she changed her name, so I couldn't find her again. She got married. And she told me she was going to go to one of my events in the Worcester area. She lives out there. And I was excited to reconnect with her and just, like, find out more about her life. So we, she, sketched, she registered for my event, and then we decided to have coffee the next day. So um, the day came where we were getting together. And as I was driving to the coffee shop, I was thinking to myself, how did she and I lose touch? I don't even remember the last conversation we had. I don't remember how we stopped talking, but I'll have to ask her about that because I'm really interested I like we really we were friends so we had coffee for like an hour and a half caught up on each other's lives talked all about work and relationships and houses and all kinds of stuff and then it started to rain because we were sitting outside and we started walking to our cars and she she said so do you remember why we stopped talking I was like no I was gonna ask you about that I totally forgot like what happened and she goes <laughs> she goes oh you called me one day and left a voicemail and said I don't want to be friends with you anymore best wishes Oh. And that was the whole message. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I'm like, oh, I was totally speechless. I just, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I have no recollection of that conversation or that phone call at all. That phone call would have taken place in, like, 2005. And I think at the whole drive home, I felt sick. I'm like, who does that? Like, that is the <laughs> shittiest thing ever. But as I thought about it, I realized what happened. Like, I had no communication skills at that time. And she must have said or did something that bothered me. I didn't know how to tell her. And so I just decided to end our friendship. And I've never done that with anyone else. But I, and I guess I blocked it out or something. (laughs) I really don't even remember it. But the reason I wanted to share the story on the podcast is because it's such a good illustration of, of where someone can start out and where someone can end up. Because I was terrible at sharing anything with people. I didn't speak in interpersonal situations. I didn't do public speaking. I didn't share my ideas. I didn't share my feelings. I never spoke up. I just kept everything to myself. And for me to get to a point where I was so upset that I felt like I had to just end the friendship instead of just actually talking to her about it, I think says um, that it was really a good idea for me to get communication training because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's a really unfair thing to do to somebody. And she, right after she told me that, she goes, yeah, I guess I just always wondered like what I had done wrong because you didn't say anything. And I just was wondering. And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't even remember <laughs> that phone call. But I'm really glad that she had the courage to reach back out and reconnect. And I want to continue to be friends with her now. But I think it's such a good story, especially for people who are listening now who are in relationships or friendships and they feel like they can't be honest with their friends about things that bother them because there's an easier way to, to be in that relationship and that is practicing using your voice through public speaking because once you have the confidence to speak in front of a group, it makes it much easier to have those conversations in private with your loved ones and friends. 
And, and I'm really lucky that I've had the training now because I can have those conversations with people and not feel like the only option is to just end the friendship. And so I, I feel like it's a good story about like how far I've come. And it's also a good story about what communication training can do for your life. Mm-hmm. So thanks for asking about that embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you actually answered the next question too, which was like, was there a moment you felt speechless <laughs> and you said in that moment, unless you had another thought around that, but that was pretty intense. Yeah, that was intense. <laughs> I did feel speechless in that moment. There was another, there were actually several moments I felt speechless and mostly it was happening when I was watching those two minute speeches that women give, were giving at the end of the workshop. And one of the times I felt speechless was at uh, on the Cape Cod dinner we did in Yarmouth Port. Everybody at that dinner gave a speech. And even the ones who were kind of scared, mm-hmm. and there was a woman there who was like in her early 20s, and mm-hmm. she just came to support her mom, but she got <laughs> up and gave a speech too. Yeah. I, I felt speechless toward the end of that meeting too, because the courage that was exhibited through all of those speeches was really impressive and just made me feel like really, again, proud of being able to do this work and bring it to people who may not otherwise get the chance to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I... I felt speechless that night. I don't even remember how I closed the meeting or if I even said anything, but <laughs> no, it, ended, it ended well. I remember it was everybody was really happy okay. and and uh, left feeling uh, that they were glad that they came, and um, and we have those speeches available on on one of the podcast episodes from the tour. That's right. Yeah, so you can li- listen to them. I'm going to say 91. 91. Okay. <laughs> one of those. It's in the Tales from the Road series. That's right. <laughs> yeah, all of those speeches are in there. I think we jumped right from speeches to the selfie. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not, I can't say anything anymore. Just picture. <laughs> all right, so we have a surprise question. Are oh, you ready for this gosh, one? I don't know. What was your longest nap? <laughs> I should have made that my question, but I'm ready. Well, I think I said in the first episode of the Tales from the Road series that I spent the first three days in Portland sleeping and just going out to restaurants and stuff. So those first days, I think I slept probably six hours during the day in naps and then would go eat and then go back to sleep and Mm -hmm. then like watch a movie and go back to sleep. So those are my longest naps. And then as the tour went on, the naps got shorter and shorter. And I was just constantly trying to find times to meditate and like close my eyes for a few minutes because it was like so overwhelming with um, schedules and trying to manage all of the various pieces. So the naps definitely faded away toward the end, but in the beginning they were strong. Mm -hmm. They were very strong. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So how did you continue the self-care? You you mentioned a little bit trying to carve out some time to meditate. You know, how do you feel overall that you took care of yourself? Was it more than you usually do, less than you usually do? You know, how are you feeling about having time to recharge? Well, I'm usually right on top of email, like, Every day I check probably five or six times minimum. And on the tour, I gave myself space to be slower with email, which felt really decadent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is so luxurious. Everyone's probably really angry at me because I'm being really slow with email. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt good to just not have that piece be a priority while I was trying to just put my head in the right place. So for self-care, besides that thing, which... Everybody knows email is just such a huge part of work. Mm-hmm. It just takes up so much time. I ate a lot of good food. 
I was consistently like going to restaurants, going to Whole Foods, and people were cooking for me like at the houses I was staying at. And I felt really taken care of by the people that I stayed with, like when I was a Sandra and the dinners we had, the private dinners, there was always good food at those. And it was nice to show up and there's like a meal mm-hmm. that someone had made. <laughs> and I think I had to be really, really intentional about self-care. Usually with the way that life goes, you know, on the day to day, I find time for it. Like it's kind of scheduled in, like in the morning I'll meditate and like maybe go for a walk and like sit down and drink some tea. And at the end of the day, I'll give myself some time to do things that aren't work related. But on the tour, things were so unstructured that I was consistently like, okay, I have an hour in the afternoon, so I'm going to sit down and just sleep. And I'm gonna like change into my pajamas and like just sit comfortably in bed and like watch a TV show or something. So I had to always find that time. Because the thing that I didn't really account for in planning this was being an introvert, needing a Mm -hmm. lot of recharge time. And recharge time doesn't really count as sleep has to be other things so I did a lot of just kind of sitting like Lenore we were in Portland we stared out the window together yes (laughs) we get up each morning and we like drink coffee and tea in bed and just stare out the window and like occasionally say a few words to each other but it was like pretty laid back and and pretty awesome actually (laughs) when I got back the next morning I woke up and felt like I should be going to your room in my pajamas <laughs> with a cup of coffee and just sitting there. It was such an amazing way to start the day. Yeah. Just not with the email, not with, you know, worrying about your agenda. So. Yeah. And Amber, we went to the beach. We did. We went to the beach a couple of times. Yeah. We walked around. And Even saw the sunrise. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think that was going to happen, but it did. It did. Pulled that out. Yeah, and it also, slowing down a little bit with the day-to-day work helped me to see just how much work I was doing mm-hmm. and how much we do as a team and how <laughs> out of control it is. <laughs> I know, you're like, finally. Um, like, this is the moment we've been waiting for. <laughs> maybe she'll realize what's going on here. <laughs> and ever since then, I have to say, I've felt much more relaxed and I like had to kind of make sure that that wasn't the dead feeling, but it was like after feeling dead, I still feel really relaxed. Like I don't have to work at that crazy pace anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was really helpful too, in terms of like taking the time to just step back from the day to day and see what was really happening. And now trying to create a better, more sustainable schedule and list of priorities. Yeah. I say this right before we create our, we're going into a meeting about the next six months. And so just like, keep me focused. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Now all the claim the stage listeners do too. Yeah. (laughs) Check in with me. So now that uh, we're um, almost about two weeks out um, from coming, from coming back, have you had uh, time to think about what is one thing that you would do differently? Yeah, I would take time in between each week on the tour instead of putting them all together and being mm-hmm. having like a five week stretch I would do a week in a city and then come back for a couple weeks and then do another week in a city and come back for a couple weeks because the the always on for that long kind of mentality is very draining mm-hmm. and it's really hard to have energy for anything else like I could barely think about anything besides speaking and like I do have another part of my life you know like being a homeowner and like having other relationships and friendships. So I would say the one thing I would do differently is take that break and give myself the space and then go back out on the road. 
Great. Awesome. So is there anything that you've learned about yourself through the tour? Yeah. I, I knew that I loved public speaking going into it, but I don't think I really realized how much fun it is. Like, it's just so fun to have a whole group of people just sitting, like, staring at you, (laughs) waiting for you to create an experience. I think that's, like, a good amount of pressure. I I like that kind of pressure. I think it's really fun to be able to play with people and, like, get them involved and kind of riff with them and have that, like, shared experience of learning and inspiring and just letting things show up spontaneously. So I think what I what I learned is that the more fun I'm having, the more fun my audience has. And as this the tour went on, I got more comfortable with the whole schedule and content and um, structure. I started to feel more relaxed, and I think we created better results as a result of that. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what did you learn about this work? That it's really scary to show up to a public speaking workshop if you're if it's your biggest fear. Mm-hmm. And I got to talk to a lot of women about their experience with speaking, and so many of them said they don't speak. They just don't. They're there because they felt like they had to come, because this is something that's really important. They should be there. But for them to come to a public speaking workshop took a lot of courage and a lot of intention. And so once I started to really realize, wow, these women are are doing something that's way outside their comfort zone because they really want to grow, I need to remember this is a big deal for them. I know I'm talking about it every day, but they're not. And I need to like really create a safe space for them. And I need to be really cognizant of the fact that this work could change their life and be really gentle with them and not try to force them to get up and give a speech or force them to do something that to me seems really simple, but to them is a really big deal. And so it made me think a lot about the marketing and how I would do things differently next time, like stay, stating, stating in the um, invites or on the website, like you're not required to do public speaking at this workshop. It's an opportunity to learn and connect with people. Because I think that might have been a deterrent in seeing that there's a public speaking workshop going on and there's no mention of whether or not you're going to have to get up and give a speech. So when I start to have these conversations with the women in attendance, they would often ask, like, are you going to make me get up in front of the group? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a real concern. So I think just having that point of view more at the forefront for me is helpful, just so that when we're creating things, we always take into consideration, like, how we're wording things and what is the commitment from the audience member and what are we going to how are we going to make them feel comfortable? Yeah, I think them just showing up reflects and or shows us their curiosity about this experience and what this might mean for them. But to be able to go there feeling safe about the one thing they fear the most, <laughs> which is the public speaking piece. And I think that's a really great reflection to think about because you are even though you're so in tune because you're building work around this, it has been very, it's been a long time since you've had those initial feelings. So even though you can reflect and remember them, but you're not necessarily still living them. Yeah. So that's really important. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So when you think about your vision of the tour, when you set out to do this and you had goals and expectations, and now that the, the first half of the stint is over, where do you feel it landed in terms of your vision? It's hard to tell because 
We're starting to get emails from people who attended the events, who want to check out the clubs and who want to start clubs. And so we're starting to see that there is some um, momentum and that women are, are excited about continuing to do it. But I think it's going to probably take a couple more months before I really know the answer to that question. We talked to a lot of companies about coming in to do a speaking engagement that we weren't able to work with because of our timeline. They, they needed you know, four or six months to schedule something. And so I want to follow up with all of those companies too, because we've created more, more opportunities to speak in new places. And I think in some ways we were accomplishing our goals, even though they weren't on the tour, we're going to go there later. And I think we've accomplished our, our goal of creating buzz, raising awareness, just getting the name recognition and helping people see that Speaker Sisterhood is an, as a resource. And it may not be perfect for everyone at this moment, but the fact that they know it exists is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were just so many women who came to the events who were like, yeah, I checked out your website like six months ago. I knew about this. I'd heard about it. I saw it on social media. And like that stuff is just like gold to me to hear that and to know it's not the same 12 people who are checking out our stuff. It's like there are hundreds and thousands of women who are seeing it and sharing it. And maybe it's not perfect for them at the moment, but they know about it. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I think that the, ter- the tour was definitely accomplishing that goal of, of just helping people know this is here. Awesome. So what do you need most now that it's over? We need a new plan (laughs) for the rest of 2018 (laughs) Uh, because we're not going to do it the same way again. Although I have to say I'm I'm, I'm super proud of us Mm -hmm. for doing it, and we've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And this was probably the biggest project I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. And I just think, like, we we did a great job. We we did – I surpassed – I didn't really have expectations, but I feel like we did – everything we did was done well. And – so I want to take some of the things that worked really well and do them again and get rid of the rest and just keep getting better. So anything you guys want to add? <laughs> well, we do have one oh, final that's question right. yeah. that's, that's unknown oh, to you. <laughs> and we're actually going to take you back to our initial interview, which was just before you hit the road. Oh, yeah. And we said, Angela, if you could forward, fast forward one month ahead and talk to Angela after the tour... What would you say to her? Do you remember what you said? No. You said... (laughs) I was half dead then, too. (laughs) (laughs) You said, I hope you have fun. And so our final most important question is, did you have fun? I had so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I did have fun. Yeah, everything was really fun. Yeah, I mean, I know I talked a lot about being tired, but I I had a great time. It was like a dream come true to be able to do that every day. And when we went to the launch party earlier this week in Ashland, we had lunch with some of the women who attended the launch party. And one of the women turned to me and said, so is this what you do? You like go out and speak and you go to launch parties for your company? I'm like, yeah, I guess this is what I do. (laughs) And I was about to be like, well, I also do like this behind the scenes stuff. But then I'm like, no, this is actually what I do. You know, it was cool like to be able to say that because it is a really, it's a dream come true kind of job. So it was really fun. And it looks really fun, too. So uh, lots of photos that are available on our social media profile and speakersisterhood.com slash speakup has a whole gallery of photos, and you can see everybody's big, smiling faces. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing energy coming yeah. off of it. When you look at it, you're like, oh, 
And it's amazing, too, because I forgot to take pictures, like, every day. <laughs> so, it's, like, the fact that there are so many photos is really cool. Yeah. Because I was, that was probably my greatest weakness on the tour. <laughs> like, I would just email Amber, like, every morning, be like, I forgot to take pictures again. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, we got enough to go around. That's why we sprinkled tour buddies throughout the tour. We're like, okay, we'll That's capture right. some. <laughs> I'm just so in the moment, you know? Yeah. yeah. just can't do everything. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Angela, for coming back post-tour <laughs> and spending time with us to reflect on it. It was really exciting to hear how everything went and how you were thinking and feeling. And it sounds like you're in a pretty good place. Yeah. Life is good. Cool. Yep. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> we'll have you again. Okay. Road. Thank you. <laughs> well, there you have it. The final episode of the Tales from the Road miniseries. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions about putting together a speaking tour or anything that happened in any of these episodes about the tour, feel free to email me. I'm happy to share more ideas and advice. My email is Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And that does it for, for this miniseries. Looking forward to having more fun as we get into the summer and more of 2018. I'm like shocked that we're about to hit our 100th episode. June is our two-year anniversary. <laughs> so weird. And hopefully we'll do something fun for that. Still still thinking about what that, that episode will look like. But thanks for listening. Thanks for being along for the journey. And as always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time. <laughs>